Uh, today we're going to be talking about joy, and we're going to be talking about Joseph. Uh, within, the, within the Advent season that we celebrate, we've talked about uh, hope, love, and last week, peace, and today's going to be joy. Christmas Eve will be focused on the Christ child upon Jesus, and so that's how this normally flows, so we'll be lighting that candle here uh, in just a moment. We're reminded that Jesus is the light of the world, right? That's, that's what he did. He came to show us the way to the Father, and so today as we, uh, this is our next to the last message, um, Wednesday night, let me just give you a Tuesday night, I'm sorry, Christmas Eve will be um, really uh, a shorter message, and Everybody said, amen. No, but we'll have communion on Christmas Eve, so you'll be able to partake with your family. Um, we're just changing the time. Basically, um, it will look like most other um, Christmas Eve services that we have. We have a couple elements that we're adding into it, but we're just changing the time because of the, the video, the, the choir that's able to sing, and to, instead of having to bring the choir for both services, at 6 and 10 o'clock. We're just doing 8 o'clock. And so that will be our final message and uh, I guess, concluding the Christmas season uh, as a church family with communion. So be sure that you can come out and participate in that. But, uh, but again, today we're talking about joy. And um, we sang the song, or the kids sang the song, Away in a Manger. I, that's what I love about Christmas is the kids. The, their expressions, their, uh, some of them are a little shy. They're the ones who are crazy in practice. And then when it comes to, and then vice versa can be, you know, the ones who are quiet in practice, they're all out. Uh, in this. Uh, anyway, I love this. Luke uh, was able to record this. Um, this is, several of you have asked, can we, can we distribute the videos that Sonny has done? And, and uh, with those being licensed and with those, we purchased those, we're not able to distribute those, but this is a, what they call a public domain, so we should be able to publish the kids and uh, all their singing and everything. So let's talk about joy. Um, the hopes and fears of all the years. We're going to be replaced by joy. Israel was in a time, as we've been looking in this study, Israel was in a time of a lot of fear, a lot of when is the Messiah coming, because they have waited for hundreds and hundreds of years, and they're in, in an oppressed state by the government that's over them. They're in this oppressed state, and um, why, you know, why, why is it that our deliverer hasn't come? And so they're fearful of the future for their children. Um, fortunately, we do live in the United States with all of her flaws. We understand all of that. There's plenty of flaws, right? But we do have freedom, and we don't have to worry necessarily. I'm not going to say we don't have to worry about these things. We definitely always want to be in prayer. But at least for now, we have our freedom, and we pray that that continues. But Israel didn't have that hope, and there were tons of fears even for the future of their children. And when Jesus arrived, it was more than just a political deliverance for them. As a matter of fact, it wasn't really a political de deliverance at that point for them. It was, a, it was much deeper than that. It was a spiritual type of thing because now there was a way made where their sins could be forgiven and that they would have relationship with their heavenly father. And there would no longer need to be the sacrifice of animals. You know, I, I always kind of sort of joke with people. Today, I feel it's fairly easy to be a pastor. I guess in those days it would have been called a priest or whatever. But you guys know how I am with blood. I mean, I would be the guy who was offering a sacrifice, and I would be passed out beside of the offering, offer, offering area, and they would have to drag me out and all of those things. So thank God for Jesus. Amen. Not just for that reason, but for the fact that he came to bring us perfect relationship with our Father. And so the hopes and fears of all the years came to a point of joy 
that night. The angels even sang about that. So um, we're going to go back to Luke 2 and, and look at this. So if you will, go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2. And we've read some of this throughout the year, um, throughout this season. As a matter of fact, I think we read a little bit of this last week or, or the week before, but we are going to go an extra verse than what we did um, in the past. But I want us to begin in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and we're going to go through verse 15. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger, and suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others, um, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to the heavens, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So again, we've read a little bit of that and we see the joy that was brought to the earth. That's what God had intended the whole time. Here comes joy. It's Jesus. It's the one who restores us to where we can have our relationship with Jesus. Now, you think about this for a moment, just in, I, I like to try to put myself in the setting of what maybe the shepherds were seeing, what Mary and Joseph were seeing at the time. Today, the, the, I guess the big thing when parents are expecting, the big thing today is gender reveal parties. Now, my, my boys are 15 and 17, and 15 and 17 years ago, that was not a thing. As a matter of fact, I think it's really only been like in the past couple of years. Um, as a matter, was, was that even a thing when Natalie was born, gender reveal parties? It was starting to come on at that point, you know. But can you imagine um, not knowing? How many of you did not know what you were having whenever you had a child? Like you were surprised when your children were born, right? How many of you knew what you were having? You know, that's the age of medicine and sonograms and all of those type of things. Today, we can know ahead of time, but the gender reveal party at this point was kind of one of these things. One, oh, here it is, it's a boy, but the angels were there as well. No one can top that. But here's what we do know. There was a reveal that happened to Mary and to Joseph because an angel came. How would you like for that to be your gender reveal party, right? And can I say this in our culture too? that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and God knows your gender even before you're born? It's not a question. We don't need to be fearful of who God has made us and confused about who God has made us. God knit you in the womb and you are fearfully and wonderfully made and you have a purpose within the body that God gave you. God chose to reveal the gender of Jesus before he was born at a time where that wasn't even medically possible. And he did it through an angel. And so here, you can imagine, I remember, I always like to think back to when my boys were born. And of course, I knew they were going to be boys when we found out I was, okay, God knows what we can handle. 
And when I found out I was having a boy, I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then I found out we were, you know, Stasha was going to have another baby. And then we had another sonogram. I think that's what they're called. And I found out it was going to be another boy. And I was like, we're stopping right here because, right. Now, I, I, little, if God chooses to bless me with granddaughters, I will be so happy and all of that. But the Lord knew that I just, I wouldn't be able to handle it. I, I don't know. I just, I don't know that I could handle it. I would be that dad who, whenever the girl is bringing the boyfriend home, I would be cleaning my guns at that moment, right? It'd be really cool if he came up and he said, oh yeah, that's a, that's a Smith & Wesson, blah, blah, blah. Then I would know he was a good kid, right? That would be all right at that point. Let me help you with that. He's a keeper. He is a keeper. Anyway. Just as your children, boy or girl, brought you joy when they came into the world. Imagine Joseph, and he wasn't even the biological father of Jesus. We know the Bible teaches that it was a virgin birth, uh, that the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. That's how we know that Jesus was fully God because of the Holy Spirit and fully man because of Mary. But Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus, but yet he was the one who was given the responsibility to raise this boy. So Jesus' arrival brought joy to Joseph. I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 1 and look at this for a moment and see Matthew's uh, uh, recording of this and with Joseph. We're going to look in verse 20. We'll start in verse 20 and we'll go through verse 24 of Matthew 1. It says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph... Son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until the son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. During this time, in fact, in many cultures today outside of the U.S., uh, arranged marriages were what ruled the day. You were basically told who you were going to marry, and your parents would set that up for you. I don't know, because I know some of you have your parents here in the room today, but would any of you trust your parents to set up your future husband, your future wife? Maybe you would. Maybe you would. Maybe you wouldn't. Some of you might need your parents to set up your future. I mean, my goodness, they're going to become part of the family, right? But that was a big thing in the day, arranged marriages. And here's what I've come to understand and what we, I think, all understand. But God had a hand in this marriage for sure. He was not going to have someone incompetent raising his son. So God had a hand in all of this. God had formed all of this all the way back in the book of Genesis. Whenever sin first entered into the world, and he knew at that moment that he had to send his son into the world to save mankind from their sins. I think God had a hand in all of this to know who he was going to choose. And for sure, Joseph had to be the kind of man who was upright, who loved God. Didn't know who Jesus was yet because he hadn't yet been born. But he had to raise him up in the ways of the Lord. 
Jesus was here to live a sinless life, to die, to be buried, to be resurrected, to ascend to heaven, and to return for his church. Now, I don't want to speculate on, you know, necessarily what went through Joseph's mind at this time, but he recognized that he was on a special assignment. When an angel appears to you, and you know it's an angel, and he's speaking the word of God, you know that God has a special assignment for you. And I want to encourage all of you dads here today. God has given you an assignment to the kids that are in your home. And to those of you who are future dads, God is putting you on assignment. He has called us to teach, to correct, to guide in godliness, right? It's great that we can, you know, spend time with our kids. And early on, I don't fish a whole lot now, but early on we would go fishing occasionally with the boys. And, you know, it's not something that we just continue to do or whatever. But there's things that we did together you know, as, as, um, as father and son, and Nathan and I uh, had obviously just finished working on his Camaro, and, all, and I'm not a mechanic, right? But to be able to teach and guide, and above all those things, hunting, fishing, working on cars, uh, going to the shooting range, whatever it is that you do with your kids, uh, you know, games, whatever you do around the house, um, more important is how you teach your kids to grow in godliness, now, is the responsibility up to your kids how they receive that? Absolutely. But God has dads. I'm just, again, I'm speaking to us today and future dads. And I'll even throw the, the, the grandparents into this too because, you know, you've, you have a role as well. But train up your kids and teach them and love them. And when they call for advice, when they're out of the house, be there, be willing to give godly advice. How do you give godly advice? You've got to know the word of God. God has put you on special assignment, dads. And man, love your kids. Love your wife. That's one of the biggest things that you can do. Yeah. But teach them God's word. I promise you, I promise you, I'm speaking really to the younger dads now, I guess, and, and future dads. Your kids will make wrong choices. How many, how many dads in this room, you made bad choices growing up? Let me say it this way. How many dads you did not make bad choices when you were a kid? Anybody? <laughs> Jerry, like, blocked Sarah's face because he was raising his hand. And he didn't want her to see. <laughs> what an awesome responsibility God has given us. And I'm camping out on this for a few minutes because it's important that we teach the next generation, that we teach our kids what it is to love Jesus. That is the most important thing that you can teach your kids. Fishing won't always be there. Hunting won't always be there. Sports won't always be there. Lord knows Nathan's car is not going to always be there as much as we try. <laughs> but one thing that will remain throughout his life is his relationship or not with God. That's just, I'll be done with that. Jesus' arrival brought joy to Joseph, much in the same way that, Jesus, that our kids' arrival brings joy to us. Let's look at this. Jesus' arrival brought joy to the shepherds. Turn back to Luke, if you will. Um, we're going to look at this for a few moments. We're gonna, where we left off in verse 15, we're going to pick up in verse 16 of Luke chapter 2. So you can turn there. 
After the birth of Jesus, this is when the, the shepherds show up. Because again, the angel appears to them and he says, uh, Hey guys, I want you to go check out this thing that just, just happened. You've been waiting for this. Israel has been waiting for this. I want you to go check it out. So we're going to pick up in verse 16 and we're going to go through verse 20. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph there. And there uh, was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone, everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Um, we're going through verse 20 here. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So joy had come to Mary and Joseph, and uh, they were chose to ver play this very important role, right? And Mary and Joseph, they were filled with joy, naturally. But here come shepherds who had been waiting the world was in a dark place. The world was in a place of anticipating salvation. And then the shepherds, the lowliest of careers that you can have at this time, were awaiting the Messiah. And God, the angels appeared to them and said, hey, there's, there's joy that's happening right now, and you need to go check this thing out. So the shepherds, one, they had to be amazed that who is it, who are we, that the angels of heaven would appear to us and entrust us to go see this thing that he's talking about. Not just this thing that he's talking about, but the Messiah. And so they show up, and it's just as the angel had described, and great joy filled them. So Jesus' arrival brought joy to the shepherds. Let's look at else, look what else um, Jesus' arrival brought joy to. It brought joy to the heavenly Father. Now, this is pretty interesting. I want, I want you guys to follow me on this as we talk about how Jesus' arrival brought joy to the Father uh, in, in human form. So here he is, God become flesh. Luke 2.21, you don't have to turn there. Um, I'll just read this quick uh, scripture to you. The baby Jesus enters into God's covenant. Think about that for a moment. Now, mankind had to enter into God's covenant. When Jesus came in the form of a baby in flesh, he also had to enter into God's covenant, okay? Luke 2.21, like I said, eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given to him by the angels even before he conceived. Now, we're not going to get too deep into this, okay? Just trust me on this. But the whole idea that the Bible talks about circumcision, I want us to look at this just for a moment. Now, I imagine that most dads who have boys had the same thought that I had when their son was being circumcised. Oof. Right? It's not something we like to think about, but let's look at the deep spiritual meaning that's behind it here because this is something that God had intended. For the Jewish community... This was a time of joy and celebration. Not so much for the baby. Right? He didn't know what was going on. Not for the baby boy. But for the Jewish community, this was a time of celebration. Why? Because there was such significance that surrounded that act that was happening. This marked officially being introduced into covenant relationship with God. And so at this moment, you understand this son that you are having by this very command that God had given to the people of Israel was entering him, was ushering this son into a covenant relationship with the Lord. 
the covenant that had been established. The tradition of circumcision eight days after the birth of the son traced all the way back to the time of Abraham. And this is in Genesis chapter 17. Let me read this to you. In verse 9 it says, Then God said to Abraham, Your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant that was being established all the way back in Genesis. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. Verse 12, from generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. Uh, All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. See, that was the whole point of the, 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 the act of circumcision was establishing a covenant. So you see why this brought joy because the father understood at this point his son is now entering into a covenant. Jesus, at this point, because of the choices of Joseph to follow the ways and the commands of the Lord, was helping his son enter into this covenant as Jesus was now flesh. Joseph and everyone before him had this mark of the covenant of God. And while it was painful for the child, this mark of being part of God's covenant brought great joy to the fathers. And it brought brought great joy even to the heavenly father. Because his son now made flesh in an earthly body. Yes, he was fully God, 100%. But because of the customs that are of the day, it was marking a time of great joy. Entering into a covenant relationship. And so today as we light this candle here of joy, I want you to think about just for a moment that this thing may be out of lighter fluid. I got a lighter. It is. We'll do this. We're going to get ingenious. Sorry, Melody. Hopefully I didn't mess up everything. Great joy. The light of the world had come. A covenant relationship was established for all of mankind. Men, women, it was established for all of us. And so great joy into the world. So think back to the time where you received Jesus as your personal Savior. And maybe you haven't done that. We're going to give you an opportunity here in just a few moments. But great joy. Bondage was now something that was a thing of the past. While the people were still living under a government rule, of a government bondage, they were free in their spirits because they knew that there was more to this life than just this life. And so relationship was being established with the Father, so it brought great joy to the Heavenly Father. And you know, it still brings great joy to the Heavenly Father today when we come into relationship with Him. Why? Because now it's not necessarily the old covenant that we're looking at, thank God for the blood of Jesus now, that brings us into this covenant. But it brought great joy to the Father because Joseph was being obedient. Because Jesus, at this point, according to Jewish custom, was being established in this earthly type of covenant. Number four, Jesus' arrival and eventual death on the cross brought joy to the world. His arrival would eventually lead him to the cross where his blood was shed for our salvation. We can't lose fact of this. Last week I said this is one of those stories, this is one of those realities that can never get too old to talk about the cross. 
where your sin and my sin was paid for because of the shed blood of Jesus. Because we know the way, that, the way when sin first entered into the world, it required uh, blood to cover the sins of the people. And there was no real perfect spotless animal that could take away the sins of the world once and for all. Only Jesus could do that. And this was the hope that was entering into the world at this point that roughly 33 years later, he would eventually die on the cross to bring joy to the world because we are no longer bound by sin. Scripture says sin shall no longer be your master. Does that say we will no longer struggle with sin? No, it doesn't say that, but it will no longer be your master. I want you to think about your life in Christ now and sins that you used to, that used to just weigh you down, right? I mean, they, they, you knew that, man, I just, I got to break free of this. And then along came Jesus and he set you free from some things. And now as a believer, there may be still some things that he is setting you free from. This is a process that we're growing in, but it brought joy to the world. It ushered in a new covenant whereby we are all in fellowship with the Heavenly Father who call on the name of Jesus. We told a story last week of a, an amazing man now, just his, his life, and you hear his story, and Mr. Christie, who's still in uh, rehab, but 81 years apart from the Lord, and at 81 years old, he recognized, I need Jesus. And when he looked at me, remember the story? When he looked at me, tears in his eyes from a guy that we had only, he, his wife had only seen cry one time before with tears. I mean, he's just bawling at this point. And he said, I feel so much better now. There was something that happened in the spirit at that moment that the previous 81 years of life really didn't matter anymore because he had relationship with his creator. And he had, laying in a hospital bed, having just had surgery where his big toe was removed, there was a joy that could not be explained that covered him at that moment. Is he going to have difficult days ahead? Sure he will. But he's not alone. And the joy of the Lord is now his strength. Amen. Jesus' arrival and eventual death on the cross brought joy to the world. I just want to read a few scriptures to you. I'm going to ask that you would just maybe even close your eyes if you want to and think through these. This is out of Psalm 16. It says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forevermore. Think about this past year and the end of this past year. We've been talking about wholeness that God, that God brings right through Jesus. So the theme of this year has been healing, has been wholeness, um, moving from a place of brokenness to a place of wholeness that we've looked at this, this past year. And I think this scripture is another great scripture that kind of sums all of this up. God is always with me, right? We don't have to be alone. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice and my body rests in safety. 
There are times when we long for rest, not just because we've had a long day at work, but you know, life can throw some difficult things your way. Many of you have had a difficult, difficult year. And I want to tell you, my prayers have been with you. The prayers of the church have been with you. But in those moments of great distress, in those moments of questions, in those moments of why, we can find rest because of Jesus. We can find rest in Him. I just heard Friday night that one of the guys at the race shop where I do a study just lost his 21-year-old son. I can't imagine that. But there's something about the peace of God that is guarding that family right now. 1 Peter 4.13, listen to this one. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have wonderful joy of so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when he is revealed to all the world. You see, we, we can't be guaranteed of no trials in our life. There's, there's no guarantee that you will read about in the Bible saying that you will not go through trials, you will not go through difficulties. But great joy can be ours. Why is that? Through Jesus Christ. He says, be very glad because you get to be partners with Christ in his suffering. See, even Jesus was not exempt from suffering. Think about it. Even before he was on the cross, he was rejected. He was uh, run out of town. His life was threatened many, many times, right? He lost his, one of his really good friends, Lazarus. You know, he, he went back to his hometown of Jerusalem, and the Bible says that he sees the state that it is in, and he begins to weep, See, Jesus went through all the emotions that even we go through here today. So Jesus went through all of these things as well. We can partner with him. We understand that, that, that there's that. So that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. I think that's so important to understand. There is more to this life, to what we have here, right, than just this life. There is an afterlife. And the Bible spells out very clearly your path, heaven or hell. And the decision is up to us. There is not an evil God up in heaven who sends people to hell because he just thinks... No, he gives us a choice. Let's go back to the parenting thing here for a moment. When we disciplined our children as they were growing up, and even today, when we, when we disciplined their child, our children... We didn't just go up one day, you know, the old saying is, is things like this, you know, they get a spanking once a week whether they need it or not. No, that's not who God is, right? And hopefully that's not who we are as parents, maybe. Um, whether they need it or not, no. God gives us a choice. Which way? Choose you this day whom you will serve. It's clearly throughout the word. So God is not up there. Yeah, you're, you're, you're going to hell. Come on in, you're going to heaven. He gives us the choice. And we will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it was revealed to all the world. So there's more to this life than just this life. The question is, what are we doing with this life? My challenge to all of us is to honor God, to love all people. Doesn't matter their political preference. It doesn't matter the sin that they are involved in, right? We don't have the ability to say, well, they're 
so far into sin I don't have to love them, show me where that is in the Bible. God tells us to love people, right? Abhor the sin, but love people. You know, it's God's kindness that brings people to repentance. It's his kindness that does that. Psalm 35, 9. Then I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be glad because he rescues me. I've heard your, some of your stories. Some of you have had difficulties this year, over the seven years, almost seven years that we've been here, and um, praying with one another and weeping and rejoicing and all of these things. And we've been able to see God bring us some pretty miraculous things throughout the years. God bringing about healing, God bringing about salvation to loved ones. Because God has been the one that has rescued in a sense. God has been the one to rescue us when we're at the end of our rope and we don't know what's next, we don't know what's around the corner. And there he is all the time. And we think, you know what, he's been there the whole time anyway. But David understood this. I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be glad because he is the one who rescues me. There's great joy in the Lord. There's great joy in Christmas. There's great joy as we approach Easter next year. There's great joy in January, February, March, April. Why is that? Because we have the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And he brings great joy. I'm going to ask that we would stand as we're closing out today. And in just a few moments, um, Larry and Gail are going to be coming down to the front. And they're going to close us out in prayer. And they are going to be available to pray with you. You may need to turn to the person that's beside of you and just say, Hey, I really have some good news to share. Something that God has done. And as we dismiss here in a few moments, I want you to do that to share that joy. There, it may be a difficult time this year for you. And you can share with the person beside you or come down and allow Larry and Gail to pray with you that, you know, I know that God is near. I know that he is there. But I, I really do need to experience his joy even more. Maybe today is the day that you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Again, I don't know. You may have been coming to this year for, or coming to this church for years. And you think, today's the day that I need to ask God for forgiveness. Today is the day that I need to acknowledge that Jesus Christ truly is the one who wants to set me free. Let Larry and Gail pray for you and show you the way to have life with Jesus, eternal life with Jesus. We even have a Bible back here that we want to give you and point you on your direction of your new life with him. Today is the day for you to experience that joy that comes through knowing Christ. For believers, as I said a couple of weeks ago, God has been, the last month or so, has been reminding me how much he truly loves me and how much he truly loves you. And that when I fully understand the love of God, which I don't know that we'll be able to this side of heaven, right? But as long as I've been serving Jesus, as long as you have been serving Jesus, 
his, it's like his love is new each and every day and he wants to show us so much more. And when we can comprehend on, on a greater level each day, each month, each year, it helps us to love other people as well. God, will you show us during this Christmas season a greater level of your love? It's for believers. For those of you who today is the day for you to receive Jesus, I want you to experience that joy that you've heard about, but you haven't experienced yet. Christianity is not about emotion, but it does involve your emotions. Because who created that? God. He created us with emotions, right? And he wants to show you joy today. And so today, if you hear the voice of God calling you, don't turn away from that. Don't say later. Don't say later. Don't say later. I remember even with, with Joe, his, his whole idea, 81 years old, he was thinking, he said, I, I knew I, wasn't, I shouldn't have waited this long. Ultimately, all that doesn't matter. What matters is where he is now. My encouragement to you today is don't wait any longer. Experience joy this Christmas. Amen.